Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where you go to church with the whole world. That's right. Every nation in the world is receiving this broadcast and making this journey with you. You know, that's such an incredible thing. You know, when I first started down this path of bringing the gospel of peace and grace, the power to change and, and, and all of these, all of these things that now you can get almost everywhere. Back in those days, there were very few of us preaching this stuff. And it's amazing that today all over the world, people are hearing, are hearing this stuff. Now we have been talking for almost two months now about Three days that that change the world, and this is the most important thing you have to know if you're going to stay connected with God, if you're going to be in fellowship with Him, if you're going to commune with Him in a way that you share in and and what Jesus accomplished. Now that you know that's an important concept, and you know I'm, I'm just hoping we'll have enough time today to get into what I actually want to get into because there's so many. Uh, foundational factors that we need to look at. But, you know, our concept of faith for the last 50 or 60 years, and, you know, I'm thankful for the faith movement. I'm thankful for the good things of the faith movement. But you know what? The faith movement is no different from any other good movement, just like the, the, the movement, if you will, is happening today. Future, future generations, if Jesus tarries, will look back and they will have insight into the Word of God that uh, expands what we know and maybe realizes places that we were off track. And that's kind of the way it was with the faith movement. Man, the faith movement woke us up to... Uh, believe in God for His promises, you know, uh, and and you know this is where we began to see miracles and healings and all these kinds of things start happening in the in the church world on a, on a pretty phenomenal basis. But the faith movement, uh, and, and you know, I, I I do not at all want to disrespect the leaders of the faith movement, the pioneers of the faith movement, because honestly, those guys, those are the men on whom. We, we stand on their shoulders, uh, to be able to understand what we understand today about the, about the grace and peace and goodness of God. But so in the faith movement, not so much from the leaders, not so much from the pioneers, but in the second and third and fourth generation people who, who were teaching faith, they totally removed this away from relationship from intimate involvement with God, and faith just became a formula to get stuff, to get God to give you stuff. Well, <clears throat> you see, the, the three days that Jesus spent on the, uh, in the grave, actually uh, what he did on the cross, three days and three nights in the grave, the resurrection, ascending to heaven, receiving an inheritance, conquering the devil. All of that right there is the core of everything that we have in salvation. That's where we get, that's where every promise of God hinges on what happened through that process and what we believe about that process. Now, there's a word in the New Testament called fellowship or communion. 
comes from the Greek word koinonia. And I've taught on this several times, and some of you in the past may have heard me teach on this. I'm not going to spend the whole uh, our whole time together on this, but, but, but I want to go back to it. Koinonia, or fellowship, is where, is where two people share equally something that only legally belongs to one person. So in this, in this case, fellowship is where through our intimate involvement, not, not just through a legal contractual covenant, covenant concept, but through our intimacy with God, we're, we're operating faith in what Jesus did. We're, 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 and, and we're operating faith and trust in the fact that because we're in him that we share in all that he did. That's what communion is. And through us intimately, uh, trusting Him and intimately connecting to Him, then we experience the the deliverance that He had from death, hell, and the grave, and the devil, and and we experience the resurrection life, and we experience the receiving of the of the new covenant. We experience the promises of God. We experience deliverance from the curse of the law. In other words, we experience everything. But it's all about it's all about what happened whether we believe what the Scripture says or not about it, but then believing that because we are in Christ that we share in all of that. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, that is the core of faith. Faith is not about just trying to get God to give you individual things. Faith is about believing the truth about who God is, the character and the nature of God, and what God has done for us through the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God is calling us into this, this connection with Him. God is calling us. Uh, many times in the, in the Hebrew, you will, you will have, uh, in the original language, you'll have this concept of God calling, calling us or pursuing us or drawing us under the shelter of His, of his own heart. It's, uh, and, and in the Hebrew, it, it, it kind of gets really interesting how, how you, you see in a word that it's talking about God's heart, but it's picturing God's heart as a house, which means he's trying to draw you into this protection, into this safe place. I mean, just think about Psalm 91, you know, about abiding under the shadow, you know, the Most High God and, you know, under the shadow of his wings and, all, and the secret place, you know, the Most High God. All of that is talking about coming into this intimacy, this intimate heart to heart connection with God. And in that intimacy, we share with him. We share what he has. You know, this morning I spent, I spent a long time this morning just for my, uh, for my own personal. So, you know, I don't study this stuff. I don't really study this stuff. So I'll have something to preach. Uh, you know, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've ever tried to come up with anything to preach. It's, it, I'm just seeking God. I'm just, I want to be connected to God. I want to know God. And what you guys hear is the outgrowth of what, of what happens in my life. That's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Or, or what God's speaking to me about or what God speaks to me about to share with you all. But today I was just thinking about, about the propitiation. You know, the Bible tells us that in the propitiation is the place where we connect to and we see the love of God manifest. And in the language of the New Testament, it tells us that, that Jesus, our propitiation, is the cover of the mercy seat. I mean, that's literally what it says. Now, the mercy seat uh, in, in the tabernacle when you went into the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go, there was um, the Ark of the Covenant, 
And in the Ark of the Covenant, they had the tablets with the Ten Commandments. They had the olive, uh, uh, the rod of Aaron that budded the olive leaves. And uh, there were a few other items that, that were in there. And so the lid of the mercy seat was a golden lid, and on each end it had a cherubim or an angel, a type of angel. That's wings extended across this, this, this mercy seat. Now, you know, the mercy seat, by the way, signifies a lot of things because the commandments were housed in the ark. And we know that the commandments represent the wisdom of God. The commandments tell us how to walk in love toward one another. And, but what's interesting is that the mercy seat sat on top of the ark that housed the commandments. See, James tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, if, if we only had the Ark of the Covenant with the, with the, with the law in there, then, then every time we approach God, we would approach God on the basis of the law. Now, when, when the mercy seat was set on top of the Ark, they didn't take the, the law, the commandments out and throw them away. But instead, you still had God's morals. You still had God's values. You still had God's plan for how you walk in love. But instead of coming to God on the basis of that law, you came to God on the basis of His mercy because, because right there in that space between the wings of the cherubim and, and, and the golden mercy seat, in that space, when the blood was applied to that space, you, that's where Man meets with God face to face based on his faith in that blood. And so the blood of Jesus, of course, it is more than just his shed blood. It is every single thing that was accomplished by the shed in his blood, which includes everything he suffered on the cross, includes his death and, and him succumbing to the curse of the law. It includes, of course, his, his resurrection. And it includes him taking his blood into the heavenly holy of holies and purging or cleansing the heavenly holy of holies, sprinkling his blood on the true mercy seat in the heavenly holy of holies and casting Satan out once and for all, putting him totally and completely out of God's presence so that he so that he he is never there condemning you he's never there attacking you but on that mercy seat that is open to us see prior to prior to Jesus resurrection um, the there was a veil and it, and it was a, when I say a veil I'm not talking about like a little curtain I'm talking about something that was a, about this thick it was made out of lamb's wool and, and, and it covered the way, it blocked the way of getting into this place where you get, where you get to meet with God. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the veil was rent or torn from the top to the bottom, indicating that it was God himself that did this. This wasn't an act of man. It was, a, it was an act of God. And the veil being ripped open indicated that now the way into the Holy of Holies and into the secret place that you could meet face to face with God through the blood was now going to be open. You know, it's really interesting. The Bible prophesied about these days that we live in, that we live in. And it, and it actually the Bible teaches that, um, that God would restore the tabernacle of David. It didn't say he would restore the tabernacle of Moses. 
The tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David are two different things. Because the tabernacle of David did not have a curtain in front of, in front of the, the Holy of Holies or in front of the mercy seat. In other words, it was open to, to the viewer or to the worshiper. So God has opened the way that we, by faith in the blood of Jesus, have a place to meet with God, and that's heart to heart. That's our heart to his heart via the blood of Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul explains that God has given him and other ministers the ministry of reconciliation. And the ministry of reconciliation, and, he, and, and remember, he made this statement long after Jesus had died and been raised from the dead. And, uh, you know, if the entire world, some people believe the entire world has, you know, has already been saved. They just don't know it yet because Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. And he did. But you can only approach God by faith. That is the one absolute rule. You can only connect with God by faith. And it's got to be faith in your heart. And so, so years after the resurrection, Paul says, God's given us this ministry of reconciliation. This is in the book of Corinthians. And, 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 kind of, and he says, I plead with you, I beg with you, enter into this reconciliation. Well, that word reconciliation is the word, the same word as exchange. So <clears throat> where, where do we go to enter into that reconciliation? Remember, the reconciliation or the exchange is the fact that he became all of my sin so that I can become all of his righteousness. He took all of my sickness and disease so that I could take health and healing. He took all of my depression and sorrow so that I, so I could take on the, the, the peace and joy of the Lord. He took on all of my iniquity so I could take on all of his uh, righteousness. It, it's an exchange. And so, but, but how, how do I do that? Where, where does that happen? Well, I'll tell you where that happens. That happens in the Holy of Holies. That happens when we come to the mercy seat and we approach God through the blood of Jesus. When we and, and again, remember, this is more than just a formula. I'm approaching God based on everything that Jesus accomplished and, and knowing that it's all true according to what the Scripture says about it. And it's also true based on the fact that I am in Christ Jesus. I have I've been crucified to the world. The world has been crucified to me. I am a new creation. I am raised up in newness of life. I share in His covenant. I share in His calling. I share in His inheritance. I share in His victory over the devil. I share in, in the right hand of God. I share in the presence of God in every single way. I, 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 I just get, I don't, I don't even know if I, I can't even express how I feel when I'm even making these statements because this is such a, a powerful reality. But here's where we want to get to with this. <clears throat> when we come to Jesus, so, so we're, remember, we're, we're talking about getting into this intimate, secret place called the Holy of Holies or called the mercy seat in reality and, and meeting with God there in the mercy seat by the blood, by faith in the blood of Jesus and, and connecting to God in a way that nobody could ever connect to him through the law. We're not, you know, even, even though we believe in God's morals, God's values, God's truth, even though we believe that everything he, he said was true, we understand that that's still not what makes us able to connect to him. We connect to him because of our faith in the blood of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished. And when I connect to him there in 
communion, knowing, trusting, acknowledging what Jesus accomplished and what that means to my life, that is when I am entering into that exchange, that reconciliation. That's when it is actually going to take place in my life. You know, I, 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 I remember, oh man, back in the, in the 80s, I remember God, this is in the early, early days of, of the grace movement, and uh, so many of the people that were, were, were diving off into grace, they, they misunderstood it, kind of took it as liberalism, if you really want to know the truth. And uh, many people uh, kind of just dove off the rails. They stopped having a prayer life. They, they stopped reading the Bible, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. And I, I, and I remember, you know, as I was walking this through my own life, God began to deal with me about the very specific needs that are met in my life by reading and knowing the Bible versus the very specific needs that are fulfilled and experienced in my life in prayer. And I'm not talking about the kind of prayer where you're begging God to, to do something for you that He's already done. I'm not talking about the kind of prayer, the codependent kind of prayer, you know, or, or fighting the devil or any that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you enter into the exchange, where you, where you, where once you have connected to what you have in Jesus, you use your authority and you refuse to let that exist in your life. Or when there's something lacking in your life that Jesus died and rose from the dead to give you, you use your authority and you put on this new man and you, you bring that forth into your life. And so there is still just as much a place for the Word of God for a prayer life and all of this as there ever was. Uh, really, the truth is there's more of a reason right now. So, so when we come to Jesus, we experience what we call salvation. And the instantaneous effect of salvation on our life is pretty much being born again. But the problem is, that's not everything that salvation offers. Now, when we come to Jesus, legally and technically, every aspect of salvation becomes ours. But not every aspect of salvation is affecting our life because the only part, the only part of salvation that's truly affecting our life is that which we have heard and believed. You know, uh, there's millions of people that have not heard that healing was part of what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. They're not getting healed. They're not seeking God for healing. Doesn't make them bad people. Doesn't mean God loves them any less. It means there's a provision or a benefit given to them that they are not experiencing. Uh, and you could just go down the list of what Christians, believers, have had given to them that they are not experiencing, not because they're bad people, not because God's withholding it from them, but because they are not entering into this exchange and experiencing that aspect of salvation. So one of our problems is, you know, the Bible speaks of the fact that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And if you've got a one-dimensional concept of salvation as just getting born again, uh, then you, that, you can't reconcile that. You, you have nowhere to go with that. Uh, realizing that there's this great paradox that says, this has been given to me, but this is all that I've experienced, uh, 
Uh, and some people can't do that because then they feel lack. They feel like you're putting me down. I'm being condemned. I, you know, it makes me feel like something's wrong with me. Well, uh, you shouldn't see it that way. But the truth is, we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And any part of that that's not working in my life is because I'm not experiencing that aspect of salvation. And the only way to experience that is to enter into that secret place with God. Enter into that place where God is manifesting Himself, manifesting His nature through uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we, when we come to Him for salvation, and remember, we talked about this several programs back, you got to stop thinking about salvation as your initial experience with God and realize this is an everyday experience. Whatever I'm facing today, whatever hardship I'm facing today, I need the salvation of God to be delivered from that, from that experience. Yeah, I'm born again. Yes, if I die right now, I'll go to heaven. Yes, I've got absolute confidence in that. Yes, I've got peace with God. But that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm experiencing healing or doesn't mean I'm experiencing deliverance from debt or doesn't mean I'm experiencing peace in my heart or doesn't mean, you know, so when we, came, when we come for salvation, the Bible says there's a couple of things that have to happen. In other, words, in other words, if we're going to enter into this exchange and experience any part of salvation, there's something that has to happen. Romans 10, 9 tells us that we have to believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we have to confess Him as Lord. Now, this has pretty much been written off just as something that is directed toward people that are seeking to get born again. But this, the book of Romans was not written to people who were seeking to get born again. It was written to people who were trying to figure out how to walk with God by faith. Now, it is made very clear there that it's what I believe in my heart about the resurrection, that, that that's, that that's going to determine what I'm going to confess about the Lordship of Jesus. Now, one of the reasons it's so incredibly important that you believe this in your heart is because your heart is the seed of your identity. See, faith comes from the heart. Life comes from the heart. All, you know, all the, all the core factors of a life come out of our heart. And because I've spent my whole life seeing God a certain way. I've spent my whole life seeing myself a certain way. I've spent my whole life thinking a certain way, you know, and, and, and I'm going to be trapped in everything that I've thought in the past. Even though I'm getting born again, even though I'm getting my sins forgiven, if I don't renew, if I don't renew my mind, I'm still going to be trapped mentally in the world that I've experienced up until that point in time. In other words, all the hurts that I've gone through, all the losses I've gone through, all the pain that I've gone through, all the suffering that I've gone through. And so believing in the resurrection in your heart, believing God raised Jesus from the dead, is more than just believing that God raised a man who died physically, that he brought him back to life. Because the resurrection as we've talked about already, the resurrection gets into the fact of how did Jesus die? Jesus became my sin. Jesus took my sickness. Jesus took all that I deserved. Jesus was alienated from God. Jesus, uh, you know, went to the grave, was there three days and three nights. Jesus used his faith to overcome the circumstances. Jesus didn't just get raised up physically, but he was raised up physically and spiritually. And 
and divinely connected to the Father and, re and received an inheritance. Now, the heart affects or is the seed of my identity because all of these experiences that I've had in the past become my sense of self. In other words, I define life and I define who I am based on all of the experiences that I've had up until this point in time. Now, the Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs, the fourth chapter, that, um, that we should guard our heart with all diligence, vigilance, because out of our heart flows all the issues of life. And we've talked about this in the past. That word issue could just as well be the word boundaries. And so every boundary or every limitation in my life, you say, well, well what do you mean limitation? Anything that limits me from having God's perfect will in my life. You say, well, what is God's perfect will? Well, go back to the Garden of Eden if you want to know God's perfect will. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no hardship. There was no lack. There was no fear. There was no discomfort. That's God's will for you. Every, every, every aspect of how Adam and Eve lived in the garden is God's will for mankind just as much today as it was then. So, so anything that limits me from experiencing God's perfect will in me, that's, that's a boundary that has to get resolved in my heart. And the reason that boundary exists is because of what I have experienced in life up until this point and how I've defined myself, defined God, and defined life based on my subjective experiences. So if I believe in my heart, and you know, believing in your heart is a process. You know, when you first come to the Lord, you don't know all this stuff. You hadn't heard all this stuff. You, you, you believe what you, what you know to believe. But the amazing thing about believing in our heart, and, and you know, something, something happens that is just beyond explanation. You know, uh, today when I, I, was, I was reading about the mercy seat this morning, you know, one of the things that, that came out was the fact that when, when the priests went into the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, once he went behind that curtain, nobody ever saw exactly what happened in the, in the exchange where the mercy of God was extended to the nation of Israel. Likewise, when Jesus goes into the Holy of Holies with his blood, you know what? There's some things we don't know. There's some things we don't, it's never been explained to us exactly what happened in there. This gets beyond intellectual information, but something happened that is beyond words that when we believe this with the deepest part of our being, it somehow becomes a part of who we are. And when it becomes a part of who we are, we feel connected to the resurrection of Jesus. We feel connected to who he is as this person that has, that has been raised up. And I, and I can tell you this, on some level, when you first came to Jesus, if you surrendered to him as Lord, if you believed the gospel and surrendered to him as Lord, you, to a great degree, entered into this exchange. You, from the deepest part of your being, connected to God, and something happened that was beyond explanation. Well, I got news for you. God's got a 
million more things that you can experience that are beyond explanation, that are beyond understanding, that are a part of the salvation that Jesus died to give you for. Listen, that's as far as I can go. I knew I wouldn't get very far in this. We're going to pick the, we're going to pick the rest of this up next week when we come back. So be sure and be back with me because we're going to, we're going to get into aspects of, uh, of this thing about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and why this is so incredibly important. Now listen, if you're watching me on YouTube, be sure at the end of this to like this so that people all over the world are subscribed to it so people all over the world will have the opportunity to see this and if you want to get my series three days it's changed the world so you can get all of these details and a lot more you can go to impactministries.com or you can go to moveyourboundaries.com at impact unlimited and just for one dollar for your first month you can subscribe and you can get access to three days that change the world. You can get access to other series and books that'll be life transforming and that'll give us more resources to help us reach out and change the way the world sees God. I'm sorry I couldn't go any farther than this today, but you know what? I'm just trying to give you as much meat as I can give you because I want you to have something to sink your teeth into to believe and enjoy. I'll be talking to you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.